You want to? Okay. I'm <laughs> I am down to start with Sinister, which is Dom, I know you're down to start dude, with Sinister. Cuz and it's your movie. It's my movie. Well, it's your pick. I mean, I here's the thing. I and I don't think we've addressed this yet. I love every movie that you've picked. And uh, so far, and there were a couple ones that you hadn't seen that I that I picked that yes. you have also. I've liked, I've loved all the liked movies very much. on your list. So, um, I feel like if we, I feel like if the two of us were to combine for a top ten horror movies list, it'd probably look about like it does. It, yeah, I would say. Like so. I feel like we would come up with this same ten, or I guess we have nine. It would look very similar. Yeah, I think. Yeah. If we just sat down and did it, it would look about like the same. It'd be pretty close. So yeah. that's, I mean, that's a good thing because we shared our lists and I looked through yours. I was like, that's oh, really all good. Right. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, so, okay. Sinister, I think might be, it, it's, I don't think it's the best scary movie, but it might be my favorite, like, just pure horror film from a horror standpoint. It might be my favorite one. And I, I told you, I talked about this before. Sinister was the last scary movie that I had to turn off and watch it in the daylight. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you telling because me about that. Because yeah. it's freaking terrifying. It is pretty scary. And now I feel validated because we see the study that says that Sinister, scientifically speaking, is the scariest movie of all time. But listen. Sinister's it leaves me speechless. It it it's so freaking scary, dude. Dude, it, yeah, so freaking scary. Part of the reason why it's so scary is because, well, first of all, anything having to do with like demonic creatures mm-hmm. is always scary. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. But also, it's scary because you kind of you learn that the demonic creature that is is I guess I can't say haunting now. Right, yeah. And also possessing and also just influencing influencing all this bad things to happen. Mm-hmm. It has been around for a very long time. Yeah. And at the end of the film you learn that it continues to stay around. Yeah. This is one of those movies and it, it has kind of become a cliche where like the scariest things are um are these dangers that don't go away at the end of the movie. A monster that is not killed at the end of the movie that continues to, to just destroy people's lives. Like right, that is a right. scary thought that there is no happy ending. Okay, mm-hmm. and this movie does that so well. But just let's just get into the story of Sinister a little bit. Um, Ethan Hawke is a writer, kind of washed up. He, they move to this new house because he's not quite as successful as he used to be. They can't afford to live in the same house that they used to. And he goes there kind of looking for inspiration, kind of trying to get his career back on track. And he finds these home videos in the attic of his new house. And in these home videos, they are beginning in like the 1960s. They're videos of like the these family like terrible things happening to these families in this house and it's like it's hard to look at hard to watch for him and he starts to think that he has basically uncovered a serial killer 
So he, he goes to the police, he shows them all the videos, he's doing his research and all these things, and then he starts to see this, this demonic figure in the pictures and in the videos and drawings of this, of this face that's, it's, at one point it's just labeled Mr. Boogie. Yeah, yeah. And, and mm-hmm. so he starts to see this thing everywhere. And then at one point, um, so he, he's trying to solve the crime, right? He, he learns that there was a murder that took place. This whole family was killed and, um, and one, of the, one of the kids went missing. And he wants to learn the fate of that missing kid. So that's kind of how he gets into it. And then he starts to find multiple of these videos. Like he realizes it wasn't just one family. It wasn't just one kid that went missing. He's noticing a trend. And then it really kicks off when one day he hears the projector running in the, in the attic. And he goes up there and all of the kids are sitting up there oh, watching the projector. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. In like different states of like all the kids had died. Right. They're, They're all, all up all there. The- and then that's when Mr. Boogie, if that's what you want to call him, physically presents himself to this author. And he just starts just ripping their life apart and, and turning things upside down. And creepy things start happening with the author's kids. They're making, you know, scary drawings. And, and the daughter um, has this imaginary friend that is the kid who had gone missing from the previous family. And it's just, dude... It is freaky. Like, my heart was racing the entire time that I watched this movie. Like I said, I had to do it in two multiple runs. And I don't want to completely spoil the ending and and how it happens. But basically, at the end of the movie, we see the box of films again. But there's one in there for this new family. And it ends. Yeah. And then we get, eventually we'll get another one, but you kind of are left with this uneasy feeling. There's no happy ending. You know that something else will happen to the next family that moves into this house. And it's this kind of never ending cycle. Um, First of all, Ethan Hawke is so good in this movie. Oh yeah. Very, he's underrated as an actor, but this performance is one of the best of his careers, I think, which is saying a lot for a horror film because you don't typically tend to see that. Um, and then on top of his performance, this movie's just freaky as shit. I don't even know what else I can say. I think, I think one reason, and I think, um, a lot of the movies on, on our list kind of do this. There's so much dedication to the story and, in adding to the fear that the story is kind of presenting. Like the fact that all the home videos were actually made by the director on, yeah. on Super 8 film, which is such a seeming like it's just it's kind of this small little thing that they decided to do Mm -hmm. but it it adds so much depth to those to those scares that you get and this movie is is by the way rife with jump scares oh yeah but they are all so effective because in each jump scare something truly bad is happening when you get that jump scare yes right like all of the all of the videos just have the most shocking and just abrupt jump scares like the the one where i i think someone gets a lawnmower to the face that one and and you just for some reason there's like a loud like noise when it comes over as if you're listening to a lawnmower all of a sudden just rip on and just goes oh dude that one 
dude and made the, the, me jump out of my those, seat. Those those Super Eight films are some of the scariest parts of the movie, if not the scariest. And because we start to see this creature, we'll we'll see him like in the background. The films are all shot as if um as if the 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 people in it are being watched without knowing who's filming them or who's watching them. And right, and right. the movie dives into that a little bit and it, it explains it. Um but the videos themselves are so freaky and we start to see the imagery of this creature um like he'll just be in a in a tree somewhere in a bush like looking on or mm-hmm. or we see somebody jump into the water and the person turns around and it's the face of the creature looking through the water up at us right and right and a lot of times those scenes happen when the characters aren't noticing him in the back I, the 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 demon's name is what Bagul Mr. Boogie yeah a lot of times he kind of appears or like turn like you think you're looking at an image or a drawing of him and all of a sudden he he kind of he kind of like comes into the screen yeah. and well, actually and it like happens moves when, around it happens when the characters have no idea like that's designed for us as viewers mm-hmm. the one that i think of is when his the image of the of the creature is pulled up on the computer screen mm-hmm. and the yeah. and i think it i think it was Ethan Hawke's character who's looking at it yeah. and he turns away but the camera focuses on the computer screen and nothing's right. happening nothing's happening mm-hmm. and then the picture just turns its head and it cuts away and right. and this this movie is so good at creating that tension and lingering on s- certain shots that just make us uncomfortable and make us start to feel kind of anxious mm-hmm. um, the one that I think of is um, we get to the end of one of the videos that's playing on the projector screen Mm-hmm. And then we sit there for however many seconds, just watching this film reel spin and spin, and the the film at the end is hitting the projector and it's just clicking. But it just sits there and it just builds tension because we know the 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 more sinister meaning of these films that we're watching. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you said, this it uses jump scares so well, and this is one of the only. This is kind of a stereotypical horror movie. All all yeah, of the ones yeah. that, or at least most of the ones on our list, are pretty unique for one reason or another. Right, right. This one is is pretty much what you think of when you think of a scary movie, but yeah. it does it much better than most. It's it's yeah it it's it kind of it kind of toes the line of being cliched, right? Having right. so many horror notes that it, it becomes cliched. But you're right, it does it to such an effective level that it, it kind yes. of it kind of doesn't ever go over well, that it line. Use, it uses the cliches to its advantage, and it, mm-hmm. u- it uses them exactly the way that they should be used right. in horror movies. It doesn't just use the cliches for the sake of using them. It doesn't right. use them just because it's a horror movie and that's what you're expected to do. It uses them to actually build the story and to make it um, actually scary. I, I, right. I think that it does... It does a much better job than a lot of other horror movies, and it also is kind of a a mystery thriller type. Like it, it right. blends genres, but it is act. It's very scary. There's a lot of investigation going on. Yeah. And and one thing I want to say about this movie to kind of wrap it up because in our in our discussions last week, I kind of I kind of shit on cheaply made horror movies. Yeah. The fact that you can have not much money and make a really shitty horror movie and and make a lot of money back. There are a lot of good horror directors out there who can make a great horror movie 
with next to no money. Sinister was made for $3 million. And it made $87.7 million at the box. It, it was yep. made for $3 million. A, a very, very low-budget movie with great actors, great characters, and amazing scares. And this movie is one of the perfect examples of how you don't need you don't need a lot of money to make a truly effective horror movie. Even if you have to play into the, the stereotypes yeah. sometime of a horror movie, if you do it to your advantage, which this movie does... 95% of the time yep you make what's you know what's almost like scientifically considered to be the most scary movie ever made it's kind of, it's kind of weird because we spent basically two episodes talking about where horror sometimes goes wrong and like what is wrong with the genre and why people don't really appreciate it right all of those things that we talked about as negatives apply to this movie but i point to all of them as positives yes because it's done with care. Yes. Because the director, the writer, the producer, and it's all very intentional. They they do it with a sense of 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 purpose. They yeah. don't do it just to create cheap scares. Yeah. And to get it into the theaters, they do it because they they want to make something truly scary. Yeah. Right. And I want to use this as kind of a as kind of a transition into our next film, Alien, because Alien was another one of those movies that didn't have, you know, compared to some of the sci-fi epics that had come out at the time, did not really have the production budget mm -hmm. that other movies did. Um, there's no, like, specific number in terms of budget for Alien, but it was made somewhere between 8 and $15 million, which, you know, in the late 70s was a, it was a decent amount of money. But at the time... A lot of space-based sci-fi movies were, you know, you had you had Star Wars that had just come out two years before, and you had 2001 A Space Odyssey that came out ten years before that. So, you know, sci-fi was kind of in, it was kind of a genre that was done on an epic scale, mm -hmm. right? And Alien was done in space, but the majority of the movie takes place on a ship where you're confined with walls. Right. Almost the whole time. Um, where do I, to start, where do I even start with this movie, man? I think, I think a good starting place is one thing you brought up. You brought up the, uh, the beginning of the movie where you're just kind of getting these establishing shots of, of the ship that they're on. And one of the things I love so much about all of these establishing shots in this movie is it, it kind of it kind of gives you this kind of human quality to the ship. Like, you yeah. know, a lot of sci-fi is really futuristic and they're trying to go for all this, this, you know, futurism and things that you might not see yet. But like in the, in alien, the ship has, you know, it has regular chairs and it has like those, the bird thing that like drips down and, and like gets water. Yeah. Right. And there's like, condensation and water dropping from the like it's a very it's kind of it's kind of a grimy not very futuristic setting the setting itself is very it feels very lived in mm -hmm. right and i think it, it's a great way to kind of set up the world we're going to be in and kind of what these characters are living through too um you know a lot of <laughs> a lot of the uh, conversation between the two engineers on the ship is about getting bonuses, right? Yeah. When you're like, where are we going to get our bonuses? And Scorning Weaver's character at one point is like, he's just like, I'm sure you're going to get what's coming to you or something like that. 
there's so much foreshadowing. Yeah, the great foreshadowing. <laughs> but there's so much in this movie that is done to kind of create a sort of a non-epic, non-grandiose kind of vibe, right? It, the movie wants to feel very human and contained and kind of, uh, I don't know, it, it doesn't want to have, it doesn't want to sh- want you to think it has like these grandiose ideas, right? Yeah. It, it wants you to live with the characters and, and I think one of the one of the best ways to do that and one of the ways this movie does that is by making each character in this movie seem very just kind of normal. Well, for, just like for normal a sci-fi people. movie, it's very grounded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, there's not a lot of, I mean, they're obviously they're in space. Yes. But a lot of what happens takes place on a ship and people are just walking around there. You know, it's not, it's not futuristic in that, you know, there's all this upgraded tech. Mm-hmm. It's futuristic in that it, it's 2234 or whatever. You know, it's 200 years in the future. Yeah. But they still work on computers and they still, you know, have magazines and stuff like that. And that that could be a product of just, you know, uh, not having a good idea of what futuristic stuff would look like. But a lot of sci-fi movies back in the day did try and use futurism to kind of create a scene or a setting. Mm-hmm. And this movie kind of doesn't do that. It does away with that. And I think it helps ground it pretty pretty early on, and give you a very a very relatable feeling, yeah, a kind of overall relatable feeling. Um, so I mean, I don't think we have to talk too much about the story of Alien because I feel like it's one of the most well known sci fi horror movies ever made. But it's you know it's this crew on the Nostromo, they're in a deep space mission headed back to Earth. And they get a signal from this planet saying, you know, it, they don't know what kind of signal it is. They don't know if it's an SOS. They're not sure. It's just a, some random signal. So they go investigate, and they find this ship, this abandoned ship, and, you know, they go down certain layers until they find a huge nest full of eggs, right? And that's where you get the first glimpse of a facehugger. And then the facehugger attaches itself to John Hurt's character, and then... You know, the sequence of events leads up to the chest burster and all, you know, there's all these kind of well-known scenes in the first act of the movie Mm -hmm. that lead up to what is probably one of the most tense kind of uh, back and forth. It's almost like watching a chase sequence, like a car chase. Yeah. Except you're just watching people run around (coughs) back and forth. And, you know, a lot of the movie is about decision making and what the best way is to kind of kill this creature. So they go from trying to kill it in the air vents to, okay, we need to abandon the ship to, okay, we can lock it up in one of these rooms to, okay, we have to destroy the ship. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of, um, a lot of where this movie kind of rests its story is in mistakes that the characters make to try and save themselves. A lot of the, a lot of the, um, a lot of the results which end up in people dying is of people going, we need to try and do this, and then failing. Right. right? Well, and, and that goes a long way in <clears throat> humanizing these characters. It makes them relatable. That right. they make decisions, and if it's a wrong decision, there are consequences. You know, and and it's it's kind of interesting, too, the way that you mentioned the scale. Like, there's, we know that this takes place in space, but it's always very confined um, at times even a little bit claustrophobic, but you also get the idea that this ship is 
is way bigger than what we initially think because they're going through and they're trying to figure out ways. Well, first they're trying to find the alien, right? Then they're trying to figure out how to isolate and kill it, but they're, it's, it's almost like a system of tunnels or caves. They're, they're going through the ship and it's always these tight spaces, but you never really know how far they're going to have to go to find this creature or if it's right behind them, like that kind of thing. Um, with, with such, with a, a relatively small budget, with these really well built set pieces, they were able to build an entire ship really in, in, such small areas and make it feel make the the viewer feel the same way that the audience does where they're they're unsure of what's around the next corner and and you can't always see what's right in front of you right right one thing um one thing you pointed out when we watched it together um you pointed out the the heartbeat yeah. noise that kind of it 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 is a it is such a great audio cue into the fact that the alien is nearby there's this there's this sound in the movie it's it's just the sound of a heartbeat and i you know i've seen alien a few times and i never noticed that until you pointed it out and it's such a it's such a cool it's such a cool little kind of kind of small note in the in the in the whole movie to where you are you are getting this little this little tiny cue to say hey by the way something's about to happen mhm you don't see it the character doesn't see it, but you know it's there as yeah. the viewer. Well, and and it comes and goes. It's not it's not just constant. It's mm-hmm. very strategically placed. Right. Um, and w- one thing that I thought was really interesting too is watching these characters trying to figure out. You know that they know nothing about this creature that they've just discovered. They're mm-hmm. they're they're trying to figure out how it works, and oftentimes they're wrong. Like when they're talking about the the face hugger, and right. th- they're like, "Oh, it's it's." injecting oxygen into into the host right right to to keep it alive so that it can live Mm -hmm. later on we see the chest bursting alien and we kind of put together what was really happening right but these these characters have no idea Mm -hmm. they're and and at their core they're still scientists trying to figure out this new discovery right they're still doing their job yeah there's a lot of misdirection in this movie too yeah like the thing about the the face target with the oxygen that line is given by ash who ends up being a uh uh, an ai right he ends up being a robot whose um whose entire goal in this mission is to get them to this planet get the alien on the ship at whatever cost yes. crew crew expendable that's yes, a line that exactly. mother the computer the ship's computer actually actually writes out that crew is expendable mm-hmm. right so there are so many good kind of misdirects with his character that you're never you're never in a state of knowing what might happen next because every bit of information you get could be completely wrong or it could change in a matter of minutes yeah and that's one of the things that really adds to the kind of I guess it adds to the tension of the film, but also it also just kind of adds to that that fear of not knowing, right? Right. There's so much of that in this in this movie. Just the fact that you don't know what's going to come next or how it's going to happen because all the information you're getting is kind of you're just kind of discovering it like the characters are. But the thing is, what they're discovering could be not really right. It could be so far from the truth that it's going to actually get them in trouble. Yes. Or get them hurt. There's a, there's a lot of speculation from the characters that mm-hmm. doesn't always 
end up working in their favor. This movie also was, I don't know that it was necessarily groundbreaking, but it was one of the first movies that I, that I can really think of from this time period that had a a female protagonist in a lead role. Mm-hmm. But again, it kind of it her character is kind of a misdirect because you think at the beginning of the movie that Dallas, the captain, is going to be our main character and he's going to lead the characters to safety and all this stuff. But in the end, it's it's actually Ripley, who who makes these decisions in order to get them to a place of of safety or at least attempted safety right there's a dog barking outside i heard it did you hear it there's a dog barking inside come here thor come here buddy it's okay he's okay one thing i Let's thought that was, this was right kind now. of interesting <laughs> talking about scary stuff he's scared right now don't be scared we're not actually that's, watching that, it. that's we're why that's why we it. didn't let him watch alien with us yeah because he would have barked the whole time <laughs> <laughs> um one thing i noticed though is that we never see and this goes back to scale again, but this time scale of the alien. We never see the full-grown alien in its entirety until the very end when it's pushed out of the spaceship. Right, and even right. then, it's just a brief glimpse. Brief glimpse. We yeah. know that it is much larger than any of these characters. Probably right. a lot stronger, too. Right. We see the space that it takes up in the ship because we're inside these rooms and the alien is in there with us and we can't, we still can't see it mm-hmm. in its entirety. We just see the head or we just see its body moving around or whatever it is. It's not until it's pushed out of the ship that we finally get a real brief glimpse of the actual scale of our monster. Right. That's one of the best things about this movie too, is it never, it never focuses for too long on the, it only gives you such brief glimpses. Mm-hmm. Right, like, um, in one of the first kills, it like jumps down from like rafters or something, but you you see it jump down, but it's just such a quick moment, and then it it takes a quick cut to like the side of its face as it kind of leans as it leans its face up, right? Yeah. But every every single moment with the alien is like that. There's no real scene where you just kind of see it in its full glory, like running around. Mm-hmm. You only ever see it in like close ups next to a character. Or you only see its face when it like when the when the secondary mouth pops out and like you know sh- yeah. shoots out yeah. at people. The then that's one of the one of the th- biggest advantages this movie has is it doesn't it doesn't give you enough time to see the full thing because I think when you when you see something in its entirety, it it becomes less of a f- the it, the thing itself becomes less of a fear because there's less unknown. Because there's less unknown, right? Yeah. So you're only ever, you're getting these quick little bits and pieces. So all you know is that it's got a kind of a weird, elongated, like facial structure, right? It's got a secondary mouth, but you don't know you know how big it is. You don't know what it, what all it could possibly do, where its weak spots are. Yeah. You only know these certain little things, and that adds to the fear because you just don't you just don't know what it looks well, we like. We, we, how it can we barely even know its strengths. We, right. we know that it is an effective hunter, basically. It has, it has acid blood. It's an effective hunter. But we don't, we, we don't really learn what it's capable of either. Right, right. And, and that adds to it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, dude, we went from maybe our, our most obvious cliche horror movie on the list with Sinister to... I guess one of the less obvious. This Alien is just as much a sci-fi movie 
right. as it is a horror movie, but it's not mm-hmm. always it's not always easily recognizable as a horror movie. Right. Um, but I think there are so many horror elements that work so well. Um, mm-hmm. and, and this movie, I feel like, sets the tone for a lot of future sci-fi movies, a lot of, you know creature building um mm, and yeah. and and monster movies um alienism is a masterclass in tension yeah in how you how you create how you give the viewer just enough to create the maximum amount of tension in each scene right and that's one reason i that's one reason why i love this movie so much is because i'm not always like i don't know i don't feel like dread or or fear in like the sense from like sinister where something's trying to haunt these people yeah i feel fear because i am always so unsure of what's going to happen next i'm not sure what's going to pop out of the corner i'm not sure what decisions the characters might make that could lead them down the right or wrong path because again kind of with um with a another i can't remember which movie we talked about we're just kind of experiencing things as they unfold yeah in alien is is a lot about and, and it's kind of a combo it's a combo of knowing when a character is helpless and then feeling helpless yourself mm-hmm. and not knowing when a character is helpless, but still knowing that that, that sense of helplessness could come at any moment right. in the runtime. Well, and, and what you said about building tension, they do it so well visually um, because they're never as much as they, they avoid showing us the, the alien in full. They're not afraid to show us the alien. They they give us all oh, yeah. kinds of glimpses. Mm-hmm. They they don't they don't shy away from putting the alien on screen, but they're very particular about how they show it, mm-hmm. um, and 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 it helps them build tension a lot better than a lot of similar films can. Mm-hmm. It's 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 kind of like with with the Babadook, right? You only ever get just enough, yeah, to, to kind of know, but not fully know. So you know you're in this constant state of having a little bit but never enough to really kind of overcome that initial fear of that something is in the dark over there but I don't know what it fully is or what it could fully do to me yeah and that's one of the best advantages the alien has going for it well and, and in the back of our minds too we know that there are more out there yes that, that we we don't fully understand the creature but we also don't really know how many there might be and then right and then there's the reveal that that the the crew on this ship are considered expendable by the people that sent them and there's right. just so much working for it to create that that fear um and it does it masterfully yeah i agree all right dude we did it we did it's another one another one in the book it's actually our last one i don't Te- know technically yeah how since we're, we're going to release all of these but it is since we're not doing we're it done. in order we are we concluded Front row frights. We did. We are all done. All done with the frights. All right, guys. Um, if you've liked what you've seen um, for this whole series so far, um, you've got a couple more coming, at least one more coming, depending on how we release these. Yeah, yeah. Um, but let us know. Let us know what you think um, of our discussions so far. Let us know what you thought of our just general horror discussions from last week as well. Leave us some some good reviews if you want to subscribe to our YouTube channel, um, Front Row Seats on YouTube. Mm-hmm. We are Front Row Podcast on um, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, on Spotify, 
right now we're working on getting some social media pages up and running. So be on the lookout for our Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter. Um, let us know what you think. Let us know if you have any suggestions for future movies to cover. Um, we will, of course, we want to continue visiting horror genre. So Absolutely. if you have yeah. suggestions, let us know. Um, classics or new ones coming up. Um, what else you got, Gus? I think that's it, man. All right. Well, we'll have uh, the rest of the videos out, obviously, throughout this week. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing um, after this. We're going to keep, you know, pushing content out at least one or two a week and, you know, probably try and come up with another series. I think it's, yeah. I mean, this has been a lot of fun, you know, having a little bit more of a focus, really because, you know, we, we can't get into theaters yet still, which makes getting a focus, like if we were in theaters every weekend, yeah, you know, it would feel a little more fluid. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to finish this up, get it all done and out to the people and then figure out what we're doing next. All right, dude. Sweet. See you guys next time. I got to do it. Look, I'm doing, I'm Cheetos doing, Mike. I'm doing the heartbeat. <laughs> that's what that's what this video is going to start with. <laughs> Just us looking at each other and going. This has does got this does this sound any different with this off? This has got to stop. On? Does it sound off? Shit. Does it sound? Does it sound? Yeah. A little bit. Does, yeah. Do you want to hear it? For yeah. me? Yeah, yeah. This is on. This is off. On. Off. Yeah, it does on, a little bit. Off. Okay, let's stop doing that. That's hurting my ears. <laughs> oh man. Ew.